Welcome to the Manchild Chronicles podcast, where four friends talk entertainment, fatherhood, and sports, all with sarcasm, comedic timing, and a healthy dose of toxic masculinity. Let's welcome our hosts, Ryan, John, Mike, and Jay. Growing up never took so long. Yeah, welcome in cronies to the Man Child Chronicles podcast. I'm here with my three best friends, Michael, John, and Jay. And today we're going to play a little matinee showdown. And we're going to do a movie review from last week's movie roulette. And we're going to draft a team to save Christmas because Santa is out. And I want to remind everybody to visit us. On our cool new website, www.manchildchronicles.com. There you're going to find information about the podcast, learn about the guys, and even buy merch. That again, www.manchildchronicles.com. Hey, cronies, don't forget to follow us on all of our socials and be sure to leave us a positive review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoy our podcast, check out our Patreon where you can sign up to get some amazing benefits and be a part of our show in some cool, awesome ways. Hey, fellas. How you doing? What's up, buddy? I got to catch my breath. After- <laughs> 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 that was a lot. Are we you okay? <laughs> it's about two sentences short of a one-man show there. Yeah. Yeah. Just that's all the time we have today, the whole time right there. Get him, get him one of those oxygen tanks. He's like one of those NFL players on the sideline. <laughs> I need to breathe. <laughs> one thing's for sure. We are not fitting that into a Super Bowl commercial anytime soon. <laughs> John, uh, speaking of our socials, you need to follow us. And check out these videos because John is wearing some of our awesome merch tonight. Sporting the Man Child Chronicles t-shirt with the QR code on the side. Nice. Yeah, so if, you know, I want to watch the show and, you know, I just don't want to go through the hassle of finding it on the apps, I can just scan this arm right here and it pulls right on up to our shows on the link tree. That is something else. Well, guys, I got to, we got to do these movie reviews from Movie Roulette because, I got to get this anger out of my body <laughs> from watching the longest, most pointless movie in the history. But I don't want to start. Avatar The Way of the Water? <laughs> <laughs> I, want one of, I want one of you gentlemen to start this one out. I'll, uh, I'll finish it off. Uh, who, who wants to go first? I have no issues going first. I love getting uh, my movie out of the way. So... Three hours later. (laughs) Three hours later. Look, when I was told that I had to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I honestly thought, it's not that bad. It's only an hour and 35 minutes. I'm not sitting through a four-hour movie like Ryan. I'll be fine. I remember watching that as a kid, and the original Mortal Kombat, you know, came out in 1995. It's a huge commercial success. It was the highest-grossing Um, game adaptation movie when it came out only made with 20 million dollars paul ws anderson directs it uh grosses 73 million domestically over 120 million internationally the studio's like we've got to make a sequel let's get going mortal kombat annihilation 
What so can I'm go like, wrong? Oh, what can go wrong? And so I'm like, <laughs> so first off, I have to talk about the cast. You've got the original cast coming back. You got Robin Shaw as Liu Kang. You've got Talisa Soto as Katana. You've got Bridget Wilson as Sun. Wait a minute, she got recasted. Hold on. Uh, you got uh, you got Lyndon Ashby coming back as Johnny. K- no, wait, hold on. He got recasted too. Uh, oh, oh, Christopher Lambert's coming back as one of the main characters riding. Wait, son of a biscuit eater. He got re- the entire movie got recasted except for two roles. What can go wrong? Um, I I assume the sequel must have come out like a decade later. Nope, it was filmed eight months after the first one released. Why did no one want to come back for this movie? It's because the script was that bad. Every actor read that script and said, "No, we're not coming back." The uh, I I will add this: the studio did bring in Brian Thompson. And no, Mike, that's not famed musician Brian Robinson. Uh, this is Brian Top Thompson as Shao Kahn. And you all will remember Brian Thompson as Buffalo Bob from Joe Dirt. Uh, great actor. Not in this movie. Uh, this, Wait, this, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I recognized Brian Thompson, and I was like, where do I recognize him from? Oh, yeah, he's Buffalo Bob from Joe Dirt. Uh, hilarious. Anyways, the studio gave them $30 million, uh, which is $10 million more than the first, and no one knows where the money went. Um, I'm smelling another IRA embezzlement scam. Uh, So the storyline literally jumps around so much in this movie with its wacky and horrible fighting scenes. It gets thrown at you every five minutes. There's just some random fight scene. And I honestly thought I would remember um, the times that I watched this movie as a kid and be like, man, it's really kind of fun to see this again. But that was not the case. (laughs) There was one entertaining fight scene, and that was with Sub-Zero and Scorpion. They have a random fight scene. It's right at the very beginning of the movie, and then you never see those characters again. They don't even even explain why they're not in the movie anymore. They're just gone. Does he say that? Does he say get over here? Get over here. Yes, yes, of course, which is fantastic. Uh, The movie, this movie was so bad, it derailed the franchise for over 20 years. We didn't get a proper Mortal Kombat reboot until Warner Brothers did it in 2021, and I did enjoy that movie. I don't think you can call it a franchise. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not the movie we're talking about. Why is this eerily similar to Avatar in every aspect? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could end my review here, but I can't. I have to bring up the dialogue in this movie. Why are we not shocked? (laughs) Michael flirted with it last week, but there are some doozies of lines throughout this film. In the beginning of the movie, when Shao Kahn shows up with his bad guys, Katana sees her mom, and she says, Mother, you are alive. And it immediately whips over to the mom, who goes, Too bad you will die. (laughs) And that has been, when you watch it, it, it's been known as like the worst dialogue in history. Um, You've also got some bangers from Shao Kahn throughout this movie. Um, It reminded me of his best Undertaker impression. 
Shao Kahn says, the earth was created in six days, so too shall it be destroyed, and on the seventh day, mankind will rest in peace. <laughs> but one of the when funniest... When did this movie come out? Was Undertaker a thing when this came out? Or did he steal this 19, from that movie? 1997, Undertaker's been around, you okay. know, since... You so know, they stole from The Undertaker. Gotcha. Absolutely. Uh, one of the funniest moments uh, is when Liu Kang meets Nightwolf. Uh, you see uh, Nightwolf yeah. change from wolf to human, which was probably the best CGI in the film. And then he puts Liu Kang in a sleep trance. And the whole time he's talking, he's like, Liu Kang, you must find your animality. Your animality is the only way to beat Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn also has animality. <laughs> Liu, find your animality. Your animality will make you strong. It's the most awkward word to keep repeating over and over again. And I was literally dying as he kept saying, animality, man. It's your animality. And who would have known that that word animality would define the ending so much? Uh, the final fight scene where Shao Kahn and Liu Kang transform into their animalities. Uh, it's literally the worst CGI fight scene in history. I'm pretty sure India... And China, their B movies have way better CGI than this. It makes um, the Scorpion King look like a masterpiece. Oh, <laughs> it really does. It it truly does. The movie is an hour and thirty five minutes, and I only heard the Mortal Kombat song twice. Oh, travesty of justice! It's a travesty. Um, so I give it a half a man child star out of five. Ooh. I do not Ugh. ever recommend watching this movie. Just watch the first one twice. <laughs> Did you say a half a star? Half a man child star. Can we even do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the what, rules were. What gave it a half? <laughs> yeah. What, what is the positive that you went? Uh, it's not a zero because at the very end, when the eternal people are standing there, the eternal gods, they're like, there's only one way to decide this, and that's with Mortal Kombat. And then the song comes on, Mortal Kombat, and you're just, yeah, I'm like, okay, okay. But again, it only played twice, the very beginning and the very end. The answer we were looking for is it got a half star because the movie ended. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember watching it like when you were younger. As a kid, I I remember watching it. I didn't remember how bad it was. Yeah, it was a little more magical in uh, adolescence. Any questions on it? Anything anyone has to say? Yes, actually, um, animality. <laughs> find your animality. I, I looked up that uh, word. That means to find your inner animal. Basically, oh. what was Luke King's inner? It was a dragon, right? It was a. Little dragon with these wings, <laughs> like Spyro, <laughs> uh, and then because then Shao Kahn turns into this like huge, like eight headed monster, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's so bad. <laughs> I it's probably only 45 seconds. I recommend watching it, I, I really do. YouTube it. I guess I can uh go next. The movie. The movie I had that I chose through my preferences was a movie called Marvin's Room. <laughs> 
And if you were like me, you've never heard of Marvin's Room before movie roulette. And if you're like me, some big name actors were said, and you were like, huh, that piques my interest. <laughs> so Marvin's Room starred uh, Diane Keaton, nice. Meryl Streep, wow. Leonardo DiCaprio, Hey-o. and Robert De Niro. Sounds like the best movie of the year. And you're like, that sounds like a solid movie. And if you're like me, you like directors. And you're like, it had to be a big name director to get those four actors to be in the movie with it. So I look up the director, and it's directed by a guy by the name of Jerry Sucks. (laughs) S-U-K-S. I've never heard of this guy. What else has he done? You know he's one of those guys, too, that like he knows the last name that he has. So it's like, no, no, no. It's Sooks. My name is is Sooks. (laughs) And uh, that was his first directorial debut was Marvin's Room. That was his first one, and he got actors like that? That was his first film that he directed. Was it also his last? (laughs) I wanted... He did one more after that. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, like... uh, you know, how did he get this? Was there a big name that got all these actors on or some producer that conned all these actors to sign the dotted line? Jerry Bruckheimer. And then they just brought him on. So I'm like, I really wanted to get into like how this movie was made like this. (laughs) And uh, I couldn't find any history on it on the internet or anything like that. But it has an 86% around tomatoes. What? So you go, huh, this might, this, you know, huh. So then I go, well, what's this movie about? And I watched the trailer, and the movie's about uh, Diane Keaton's character uh, learns that she has cancer, leukemia, and she needs a bone marrow transplant. And she's going to uh, have her sister, Meryl Streep, who they've been disconnected for 20 years, to see if they're a donor. Uh, Meryl Streep's kids, Leonardo DiCaprio, and the kid who was the child star in An Indian in a Cupboard, if you remember that mm-hmm. movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah yep. Yeah. He's the other other actor who's the other son. They're all going to see if they have the bone marrow to transplant. So it's about, you know, sisterhood coming back together. And I go, this, this is like a chick flick, you know? So I go, hey honey, you want to watch this movie with me? Like, and my wife watches the trailer and she goes, that looks really good. Like, that looks like I would enjoy that. I go, all right, let's, let's watch this movie. Let me tell you something, guys. (laughs) (laughs) There is not a lot of movies I hate or that I can't get through and I can't see some beauty in it. This is one of those movies where I don't know how the heck it got an 86% around Tomatoes. I don't know how in the heck it got these big name actors. I don't know how in the heck Robert De Niro signed on for that part. I feel like everybody... In that movie, besides maybe Diane Keaton, had that one movie they had left in their contract to do for a studio, and that's the movie they forced them onto. It ends ambiguous. There's no big emotional death. There's nothing like that. It ends ambiguous with Meryl Streep looking over the um, the prescription medicine for the father, acting like she's going to take over helping out with the aging family members and with Diane Keaton facing her own mortality. It was like it was a play. Marvin's Room was a play before it became a movie. And it was like a play in Chicago or something. And the guy who wrote it, Scott McPherson, I think was his name, he wrote the script before he passed away from AIDS. Um, and like when he was like 32. And then a few years later, they decided to make the movie for Marvin's Room. 
and it kind of is kind of filmed like a play. So there are some funny scenes and there are some heartfelt moments, but it's just so just drags like scene to scene. It's just dragging and you're trying to figure out where the movie's going. Then the movie gets there and you're like, yeah, I didn't need two hours of my life to get there with you guys, but thanks for the journey. My bet, um, my bet is they got that high of a rating because Rotten Tomatoes refuses to give Meryl Streep anything lower than that rating. Has to it be. Could be. That title be. just makes me want to fall asleep. Marvin's Room. It was. It felt like that, man. Like, and you don't even it, get the payoff of a death at the end. It was like a two-hour long movie, and it felt like I was watching Gone, Gone with the Wind, a four-hour no, movie. No, I was like, oh, man. But even after the movie was over, you know, like if anybody should have enjoyed it, it should have been my wife. And she was even like, I don't know what we just watched. <laughs> so in all honesty, I really don't want to keep talking about the movie. I want to forget about it. Like I never heard about it before. Um, the only thing in my head that I think is funny is it came out in 1996 and then Titanic came out in 97. So I wish the movie would have came out after Titanic to see how they would have marketed it different and how they would have maybe refilmed some scenes with making Leo more of this bigger, prominent character. The good old you know? Chris Hemsworth in uh, yep. Cabin in the Woods or yeah. whatever. Yep. <laughs> so that's the only thing where I'm like, man, if this movie would have waited to come out till after Titanic, what would have the marketing been like then? Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio from Titanic. From the world hit Titanic, you know. <laughs> is he just, play, is he Marvin? Know. No. Yeah. No, but he's in this movie. <laughs> he's the room. <laughs> it was just, I don't know. I would not recommend it to anybody. I would not watch it again. It Even with the big name actors, it's just not worth your time. I'm not going to give it. I, wanted, I want to give it. I'll give it a man child one one man child one star. Do you have to Don't. give it a star? I mean, is that a rule? <laughs> I didn't know. That's why I went with a half star. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give it a one star because there is some funny moments in the movie where you do laugh, but there's just not enough. You know, it's like when you watch a play and then in the play, there's that little comic side character, yeah. those little funny qu- quippy lines. It's kind of like that where you know, you're like, oh, ha, ha, and then it just drags on for another 20 minutes with mel- <laughs> melodrama and then so on and so forth. Um, I'm so sorry you had to watch that. <laughs> I told I told my wife I was going to give a man-child one, and she's like, no, you can't do that. You have to at least give it a one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Shelby, for you, a one and a half. <laughs> All right, Mike, you had, uh, you probably had the most action-packed. Yes, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's probably a toss up between that and animality. But um, <laughs> I had, I had hard to kill with um, Steven Seagal, Kelly LeBrock, William Sadler, um, Frederick Coffin, um, few, few good names. Um, so this movie came out in 1990. Mike, uh, box. Does disclose for us? Have you ever seen? Hard to kill, or was this your first time? This is my first time through. First time, okay. Yeah. So uh, this movie was critically, um, or I shouldn't say critically, was um, box office wise a success. It had a budget of about eleven and a half million. 
um, and grossed internationally about 47 million. And this was 1990. So that's, you know, pretty decent numbers. Um, you know, inflation, the whole, the whole deal. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Um, but, uh, it was, I think even for its time, the movie, the movie, uh, was rough around the edges because there was so much belief that had to be suspended when you're watching this movie. So critically, um, not great. <laughs> it was uh, a, a 33% on the tomato meter and a 47% audience score. Ooh. And so as you start going through this movie, um, the opening parts of it is actually good. Um, uh, reading you the... Uh, the description, left for dead with his wife killed in their house. L.A. detective Mason Storm. Mason oh, yeah. Storm. Will have Mason to make, Storm. <laughs> will have to make a quick recovery and expose those behind the murder and take revenge. So okay. what you're saying is his wife was not hard to kill. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> his, wife, his wife's in the uh, prequel, easy to kill. Got it. Yeah. Easy to kill. So... So up until his wife dies, it was actually pretty solid. Like it was kind of period correct. It was a little cheesy, but um, you know you can tell he's in love with his wife, and he's stumbling upon so it's this like a romantic movie with Steven Seagal, kind of. Uh, <laughs> but but it felt really good. But as soon as he uh, almost died, and then he's in uh, this uh, recovery cool. center for coma patients. Um, it, it immediately took a pretty hard left turn. So first thing that jumped out at me was that his doctor was essentially in love with him while he was a vegetable. And so like right when you go into the part where he's in the hospital, she's like, Stroking his hair and I was like, waiting for I, I was waiting for like Robert De Niro as the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the the main chick in the movie, she's like, I just wish you would wake up and 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 it's just awkward, like that she's been fawning over this guy that's in a coma, and of course they put a wig on him and they put on this super long goatee like kung fu facial hair on him to demonstrate like the length of time that it's been I think it was like that's seven. all he grows is the goatee yeah Nothing he on only the grows the goatee and so and so it's like you know seven years later and so he kind of comes to and is he's twitching and stuff like that and and she sees him starting to so whatever and He's coming out of his coma. Well, immediately, uh, keep in mind, this is seven years later. Oh, my so God. It is seven years? It's seven years later. No. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's, it's you could be like right. That. It's a yeah. while. That's hilarious. Um, and so... Mason uh, Store. <laughs> the doctor pulls this random card out of a desk. He's like, oh, I'm supposed to call this number. Uh, when the guy wakes up from his coma. And so, <laughs> and so, so she calls the number random guy at the police station picks up. Hello. Hi, I'm looking for, you know, Lieutenant O'Malley. Oh, O'Malley's not here anymore. What can I do for you? Oh, I'm such and such from the coma center and such and such patient just woke up. Oh, 
yeah, we'll send somebody right down. And so, like, the guy that answered the phone is apparently in on this criminal thing that's been sitting around for seven years waiting for this phone call. Like, you would think after seven years, it'd be like, who are you talking about? Like, what? Oh, no. It was like, Michael, Michael, (laughs) you have to remember, this is Mason Storm we're talking about. Mason (laughs) Storm. They walk by his statue and kiss it every day for good luck. (laughs) Everyone knows Mason Storm. So they they escape, you know, the first big chase scene or whatever. And uh, Michael, hold on, you you're you left out one of the best parts when he comes out of his coma. His yeah. his getting back in shape. In I'm getting stu- there. No, I'm getting okay. there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So they escape. They get to this safe place, whatever, and and he starts his his comeback training. After seven years laying in a bed, they did like a 60-second montage oh where if you had to peg like the amount of time that he was training, I think it was like three days. <laughs> and, and he was back to like full superstar status. And then for those of us that'll see the reel or watch this online on the video portion or whatever... He looked like he was trying to do... Okay, so imagine wax on, wax off. If you tried to stretch your arms out as far as humanly possible... And so he's like helicoptering, doing yes. kung fu exactly in the dojo, like making no rational sense of any type of training. And so then at some point, there's this cheesy line where during the training montage or right before it or something, he looks in the mirror and he's like, did you, did you do my beard this way? And she's like, yeah, I thought she looked cute in it. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> And it's just like, and he's just got this huge like Fu Manchu Fu thing. Manchu. <laughs> now so, hold on, you say there's seven years in the hospital. He wakes up and they escape bad guys and they go to a safe house. Yes. So it's like his safe house that's been there for seven years. No, 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 no. They explain that she has a friend of a friend who has an aunt that she's house sitting for, Mm -hmm. and no one knows that she's there because she didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Well, thank goodness they (laughs) explained that. I would have tore this movie up for bad plotting. Yeah. Now I can't. Yeah. Plot solid, rock solid. So anyway, well, if they did it like real life. Could you imagine like all the bed sores and maggots like on his body? He's been yeah. in a coma for seven years. So then we can't you do get that. you get to the end of the movie, and you know you go through the typical action scenes. And the one notable part is he's got um, he's got uh, William Sadler, who's the main bad guy who did this to him, and uh, he's holding him, and he's got a gun aimed right at his uh, private section. And so he's like, "No, please don't, please don't!" And you hear this. And then Steven Seagal goes, guess I missed, but I won't this time. And punches him in the face and knocks him down. (laughs) It's just like, why? Why? Justice will be served and the battle will rage. (laughs) So somehow, and this was the most confusing part that I did not catch in the movie, is at some point there's an assumption that he was framed for the murder of his wife or something like that, but he yes. was laying in a pile next to her with like five shotgun wounds in his chest. And it's like, how does this even make any sense? 
So I don't know, maybe the police caught him and they're trying to pin it on. Either way, how does he get shot five times with a shotgun? Anyway, so at the very end, he's got the bad guy and the cops run in and they're like, Mason, Mason, we found evidence. We know you didn't do it. And he's like, oh, and he Doesn't releases the like bad guy. The yeah. the like, and so he releases the bad guy and oh, your name's cleared. So, so wrapping up my review here, the real <laughs> dark spot of this movie and the real underdog is Mason Storm's son who escaped that night, wasn't killed, you don't see him for almost the entirety of the movie. Come to find out, the old police chief, the kid apparently knew how to run to the police chief's house because the movie says, oh yeah, your son showed up on my doorstep that that terrible night and I've taken him in as my own. <laughs> and so so then, they I, I don't think they meet till the very end, but like nothing is explained with the kid. Like, the son pretty much just is non-existent the whole movie. They don't have this reuniting moment. And at one point, like, him and Steven Seagal meet, and there's no embrace, there's no nothing. Steven Seagal's just like, I have to go take care of this or so make, sure, make sure you're safe. And so it's, it, like, why not kill the kid? Like, why not just, <laughs> why not kill the kid? Because he wasn't the in the movie anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the test audiences did not like when we yeah. killed the kid. But it's <laughs> we like, had to bring him back. So apparently we can't kill him, but the dad can say, you know what? You can keep him. I don't I don't really, I I'm just gonna start over. <laughs> Mason Storm doesn't sound like a father figure. I don't I don't think that's his life goal, Mike. I just wanted to hear Steven Seagal pitch the plot to this movie like, <laughs> then I end up in a coma. And then this doctor falls madly in love with me while I'm in a coma. Because who wouldn't? Because <laughs> who wouldn't? Because I'm Steven Seagal. So anyway, this whole movie seems like it takes place, other than the coma time period, this movie seems like it literally takes place in like 72 hours. And so <laughs> wow. it's it's just, it's it's bizarre. It's very 90s. You have to suspend a lot of belief, especially in the final fight scenes, because he's just handing it to all of these active duty cops when he's 48 hours removed from a coma. And so, <laughs> you know, a seven year now, coma, mind you. Now, would have the movie been better if it ended with him still in the coma and this is just all part of his fever dream or something? <laughs> Did the, the dream or fall. Like that? Would that be a better ending for this movie? Yes, yes, I think yes it, it would have. So anyway, <laughs> wrapping it up, because I know we have Ryan and, and covering four hours is pretty tough. So um, I'm going to give the movie a two and a half out of five man-child stars. It was entertaining. It had some slow moments. I'm not going to suggest that you watch it. Like, man, go watch this movie. But it's it's a movie that if you just need, like, a fun action movie that, that you just need to get through a Friday night because you have no friends or a spouse or girlfriend, boyfriend, or no video games to play or no nothing on streaming or there's no community activities and no family events um, or a book to read or a magazine or carpets to clean or you don't have to go to the bathroom, this is a great movie to pop in. <laughs> so 13 reasons why not to watch Harvey <laughs> Kill right there. <laughs> so two and a half stars, Steven Seagal, 
hard to kill. Probably his second best movie behind Under Siege, too. It's a great meathead 90s movie. Yep. I think Ryan had the best review when Michael brought up Hard to Kill. Ryan said, hard to watch. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I laughed quite a bit at that. All right. Let me get to my movie review. What if I told you that I got to watch a movie that won an Oscar for Best Movie? It won an Oscar for Best Actress. It won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. It won an Oscar for Best Director. What if I told you that this movie, if released today, would gross $3.44 billion? What if I told you that this movie was four hours long? (laughs) Now let me tell you why. Gone with the Wind did all that. In 1939... When this movie came out, America just got done with the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl. People were desperate for something, anything. Anything, they didn't have to be outside in the dusty, hot, miserable weather. Hey, let's go to a movie theater that has fans blowing on us for four hours. Probably one of the only movies made that year. It had to have been. So, of course, in the 12th annual Academy Awards, it cleans house next to silent films, I'm sure. (laughs) Wow. This movie was bad. Let me start it out for you. So I sat down to watch it. Luckily, I had nothing going on for the whole day. Otherwise, you can't watch this movie. (laughs) I turned on this movie, and as a typical old movie, you get through 15 minutes of the opening credits. Yep. yep. Old time yep. music. Yep. Because they do the credits in the beginning. So yep. I know everybody that was part of this production in the beginning, besides the it's key a grip. Beautiful lost art form there. Yeah. <laughs> and let me just kind of break this movie down. This movie is about a lady who. I mean, let me also say this: if this movie came out, <laughs> she's today, a lady. If this movie came out today, people would hate hate this movie. I cannot believe this movie still stands. I believe the only reason it still stands the tale of time is because old people say, this is one of the best movies ever made. It is not. So it's about this lady who, she is spoiled to the core. She is a um, she's a hussy, I guess is the best way to say it on this show. She likes to she wants every guy to pay all the attention to her. Three hours later. The very last line of the movie, she's looking at her plantation and she goes, well, like they always say, there's always tomorrow. And that was the end of the movie. Most people in her life that had to go through all that stuff probably would have off themselves, to be honest with you. <laughs> It's one of the worst lives you could have. She was literally one of the worst people I've ever seen in a movie. She didn't care about anybody. All she cared about was herself and money. She was just a terrible, terrible person. Anyways, it was a terrible movie. I understand why it got so many awards for 1939, because people were bored, and that's probably the best thing they've seen in their life, because it was... Probably the most one of the most miserable times to live in America besides the Civil War was that 
than the thirties and people were just looking for anything, something other than dirt and no food and people dying of everything. And, uh, th- they had this movie and for some reason it carried on all these years to be still a great movie. And it's, it's not, I give it zero stars. I don't recommend anybody to waste your time watching it. It is terrible. Uh, gosh, what a waste of my life that was. What What's so- interesting is I've never seen it. And I always thought it was just this long, drawn-out love story of two people in love missing each other. Like, like that's how like, it's built. Like one of the yeah. best romantic movies ever made. It, uh. So it got a ni- it's a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's Jeez. got a ninety-two percent audience score with over two hundred. Yeah, I think because people 000. think they have to like that movie. I think people think they have to like it. That's why I think it. That's the only thing I, but but Ryan, like, there's nothing redeemable. You're giving it a zero, the most like highly Listen, decorated film ever, and you're Jay, going zero out of five. I don't want anybody to sit through four hours. It doesn't relate today anymore. I don't want anybody to sit through four hours of this. Oh, it was so bad. Wow. I don't know. This. Thank you for picking that. It was. I didn't pick it. You picked it. Yeah. <laughs> Your preferences led you to that movie, Ryan. Dinner yeah. rolls, Ryan. Dinner rolls. <laughs> Dinner rolls. Should have picked biscuits. Should have picked biscuits. All right, folks. That's enough of these movies. We got a new game tonight. We're gonna play Matinee Showdown. Now playing. Matinee Showdown. All right, cronies, let me explain movie matinee to you. At the core, it's a trivia game. You start out in the first phase by naming actors. If you don't guess it by then, you go to the second phase, the year of the movie. If you still can't get it, your last clue is going to be the plot. If somebody guesses the wrong movie, they're out. If you get it right, you get a point. That's good. Let's do That's some call movie. signals. John? Yep. Jay? <sighs> Woo! Mike? <laughs> and I got brother. All right. I'll kick it off. All right. All right. Here we go. The first actor in this movie, Ron Perlman. The second actor in this movie Kim Cattrall the third actor in this movie Sharon Stone the fourth actor in this movie David Spade well <laughs> Well, why don't you just put that whole thing in a blender, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, I got it now. Oh, what you man. said, Spade, yeah. it clicked. <laughs> Dude, what in the world? I don't oh, even. Oh, like, goodness. Uh, is this the oh, Marvin's Room might... sequel? Like, what is this? <laughs> is this a prequel? <laughs> you might get another these next two guesses. The fifth actor in this movie, Steve Gutenberg. The sixth actor in this movie and final actor, Bobcat Goldwith. Oh my goodness. All right. The movie came out in 1984. Yep. John. 
Police Academy. That's correct. Wow. Okay. One point for John. I love, I see oh. those actors. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Only because of Steve Gutenberg. If he did say that name, I would have no idea because that's the only movie I know Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> have you ever seen Cocoon or Short Circuit or Three Men and a Baby? Yeah, I guess I know a little more. <laughs> I, know a little I more. remember it's Steve it's Police Academy. I'm the number one I fan, Steve Gutenberg fan club. I know David Spade's on Short Circuit, though. <laughs> no, he sure isn't. <laughs> All right. John, wow. go ahead. You're up. All right. First clue. This movie had Jack Black, Natalie Portman, Michael J. Fox, Martin Short, Danny DeVito, and Jack Nicholson. Are you yepping over there, Jay? I'm not hearing anything. I'm pretty sure I know it. You want me to tell you the year it was released? Yes. The year, what, second clue was released in 1996. Woo! Jay? That's uh, uh, that's Mars Attacks, isn't it? You are correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was thinking that, too. That's the only movie I could think of with that many actors in it in that time yeah. frame. What was there your plot? What was your plot? Uh, Just curiosity. Earth is invaded by Martians with unbeatable weapons and a cruel <laughs> sense of humor. Straight from IMDb. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jay. All right. Level one. Actors. Anthony Michael Hall. Matthew Modine. William Fickner. Yep. Dark Knight. (laughs) It's the Dark Knight. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Nice. Dang you, John. Uh, released in 2008. My plot was going to be uh, from uh, bad pl- or uh, movie plots explained badly. A billionaire devotes his fortune to cosplay and beating up the <laughs> mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your other actors? How many did you have? Uh, Michael J. White or Jai White, however you say that. Um, Cillian Murphy, Morgan Freeman. Who's Anthony Michael Hall in that movie? He plays like the district attorney or oh, like the true. lawyer. Yeah, no, yeah. the news anchor maybe. <sighs> I think he was a news anchor. I didn't realize Matthew Modine was in that. And then I, looked, I didn't I, realize either. But once you said William Fickner, I knew. I was like, there's not many Anthony Michael Hall and William Fickner movies. <laughs> Good job, John. <laughs> Good job, John. Mike. Actors, I only have, I only, ha- I only did three for each category or three Ooh. for each section because I like it. I, yeah, new game. Three one for shirt. each section. You have three years for one. I was gonna say no. <laughs> I had <laughs> release date. Yeah, <laughs> it's a legacy sequel. Okay, um, it was released multiple times. Yeah. Okay. Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> um, actors, Joe Lee Richardson. Abigail Breslin Arnold Schwarzenegger Yep Yes 
Maggie. That is correct. John, you're like he he keeps Maybe. all that stored in his head. <laughs> I have a weird thing in my head where I don't remember anything important, but this stuff I remember. <laughs> no wonder you came up with this game. Guys, I got a great game we could play. I don't know if I can get at it or not. But. Ask ask me what ask me what my uh, description was. What's your plot. description? Uh, <laughs> dead girl can't be left alone by her dad in denial. <laughs> Oh, that's all. I never saw Maggie. How was that? I tried. It was not good. I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> no, it was not good. It was like it was a zombie movie without anything you would want from a zombie movie. It was a it was a drama. Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, here we go. Next, next one for the ride dog. Actors: Christian Slater. Mary Elizabeth. Oh, this last name stuff. Mastrantonio. Sean Connery. Alan Rickman. Uh, yep. Go ahead. Robin Hood, the Prince of Thieves. That is correct. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> Wow, Alan Rickman. That's pretty good. I, I knew you were getting down the next one, Morgan Freeman. But <laughs> oh, I forgot he was actually in that. Yeah, he's big John. <laughs> Probably would have threw me through yeah. the loop. <laughs> yep. All right, John, you're killing it. All right, next movie. Clue number one: actors Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my Any goodness! Guesses? Any guesses? No. <laughs> he's only done a couple John, films. John C. Riley. Liam Neeson, Cameron Diaz, and Daniel Day Lewis. Michael. Was it Lincoln? Incorrect. Woo! Jay? Jay? Gangs of New York. Correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I should have just said that because that's like one of the only movies I know from Daniel Day Lewis that I've watched. (laughs) I wasn't going to put his name in there because I knew it would give it away. But yeah. I was like, Once be, you said that. That would be too dirty. That would be too dirty if I didn't. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like you can always leave, make one actor. Like if no one gets it all the way through the plot, then you can give like the final actor. True. Okay, Jay, you're up. Let John get another one here. The Gill Brothers <clears throat> are just destroying this. Uh, all right, here we've got William Hurt. Greg Burke, Ashton Holmes, Ed Harris, Maria Bello. Yep. John? I'm probably going to be out the rock. You are out. I'll hold this actor. And I'll save it for level four. That's not how the game goes. You do I know. Actors. There's no level four. Level two was released in 2005. The plot when an ex mobster is found out when he kills two diners trying to rob his diner, and the news media blasts his face all over the TV. Oh. This mobster has no choice but to face his violent past. I love this movie. I can't remember the name of it. Son of a to the horror of his wife and teenage son. Mm. 
Last actor, Vigo Mortensen. I know this movie. He takes that coffee pot and just slams in that guy's face with the hot coffee. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Vigo he makes Mortensen. mad passion love to his wife on the stairs. Son of a gun. <laughs> what is the name of that movie? <laughs> That's who it is. I almost just, can I chime in? I'm blanking. I'm blanking. I can't remember the name of the movie. If they can't, if they can't get it, yeah, John, I'll have you answer. Five. I, four, I can't. I can't think of it. Go three. Ahead. You, John. I won't get a point, but it's a history of violence. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes, okay. Mike. Actors. Ewan McGregor. Oh. Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm going to save the last name for level four. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you only have three. That's right. Okay. 2015. The, the plot is struggling actor takes on terrible movie to pay bills playing an idiot detective and thief. Oh, what is that? Level four, clue number four, Johnny Depp. Woo! Jay. What was that called? Um, Mort? Mort? Morty? Um, Yep. John. Mordecai. Mordecai. Yep. I'm terrible at this. I, I don't even know what movie you're talking about. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> Put it on the roulette. It was terrible. <laughs> Struggling actor takes on terrible movie. <laughs> uh, Mordecai, that's it. I, I thought I, I knew. I thought maybe it was Morty. Did anybody get my point total? <laughs> John, we don't care. You got all the points. We know you won. <laughs> all right, let's draft. It's draft time. All right, tonight, in the Christmas spirit, we are doing a Christmas-themed draft. Here's the premise. Santa Claus is out. A little under the weather he is on Christmas Eve. He, he had a vasectomy. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm, I'm just playing it that he had a vasectomy. That he way heard, I can relate to it. He heard Jay's podcast, and he said, <laughs> I need one of those. So he's out. It is our job to draft... Four characters from Christmas can only be Christmas characters from a Christmas movie or a TV show to save Christmas. All right, cronies, the draft order tonight. The first pick, Michael. Second pick, John. Third, Jay. And the fourth, Ryan. Mike, you're up. Who's the 101 to save Christmas? <clears throat> All right. I think there is a clear 101, oh, Mike. Oh, there is such a clear 101. Um, I love putting the pressure on the, yeah. <laughs> the first guy's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's what I need. I need someone with potential. Mm-hmm. I need someone who has the possibility to come in clutch and step into the shoes of Santa Claus when needed. Okay, I need hmm. I need a player with the most upside. So, with my first pick, 
I am going to choose a smart, witty, advertising toy executive. That man is Mr. Scott Calvin. Taking Scott Calvin before he became Santa Claus. Because you can't take Santa Claus. Correct. Uh, yeah, taking I, pre-Scott <laughs> Kelvin before he puts on the coat. He was such a jerk. Like They made that movie abundantly clear. Okay, that's a terrible first pick, but good job, Mike. Scott Kelvin, just a regular Joe. I'm just saying, if Santa that. dies during the vasectomy, we all know who gets that card. <laughs> Only if he puts the coat on. Hopefully he's the doctor. <laughs> okay. I also moonlight as a vasectomy doctor. <laughs> John, you are up. All right. I need somebody who knows how the North Pole operates and yep. can help logistically get things doing. I'm going to take somebody from the Santa Claus franchise. I'm going to take Bernard the Elf, who okay. basically knows how the North Pole operates. I'm going to take him. All right. Bernard. Well, I'm going to take the clear 101 who also knows how the North Pole operates and can fix the sleigh when it breaks down, and that is Buddy the Elf. Nice. Uh, he is uh, my 101. Good. Yeah, but the Good sleigh's thing. not broke. You know, my Santa first broke. three picks are still on there, so I wish wow. I had three picks in a row here. So I'm going to take who I think is the clear 101. Uh, he's a miracle worker. Uh, he could literally blink his eyes and everybody would have a gift. I'm taking baby Jesus uh, for my first pick. <laughs> <laughs> baby Jesus. You're uh, taking a baby. Hey, <laughs> Let's get that clear. I, this baby can do miracles. All I need is if I can, if he can somehow. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> no, did You're taking a baby. I Let's wrote, get that clear. You're taking I wrote a baby. Jesus on my list. Baby I didn't think Jesus. anyone else was going to. You're not taking adult Jesus. You can turn water Let's into wine. Let's be clear. Do all well, these it's a Christmas You're character. You're taking baby. As the Christmas resident character. expert in this topic, I can tell you, Jesus did not perform any miracles until he was 33. That you know of. That was documented. <laughs> Okay, for my second pick, you could have baby Jesus. I'll give him for my second pick. I got if baby Jesus doesn't pull through for me and just make this happen with the blink of an eye. So now the son of God is not good enough. Hold on. (laughs) So now I have to take. I got to take. You know, kind of like thinking of John and Jay. I got to take someone that that knows the routine that can help me out. I'm taking Rudolph and the reindeer so I can get around. You can only take sleigh. one reindeer. You can take you one. Take so Rudolph the reindeer. You're yeah, taking, I'm taking Rudolph because if I take another one, reindeer. if it's foggy out, I'm in trouble. So I'm taking you Rudolph do realize the red-nosed that, reindeer. That Rudolph probably cannot even grip a Christmas present, right? Thank you. I don't need, oh, I don't need to. Jesus will make that happen. So I take Rudolph. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Jesus hold and on. Rudolph. Wow. I think you're mixing baby Yoda and baby Jesus together here, okay? It is two completely different things, Ryan. You're literally taking a baby. He's got telekinetic. <laughs> what do you think inspired baby Yoda? Genius, Ryan. Genius. Thank you, Jay. Uh, I So I, I did have Jesus on my list. I won't lie. I just I thought it was going to be a sleeper pick. I should have known. That's 101. Good job, Ryan. Oh, I thought it was Mike in this draft. It might not get back to me. So That's very good. Uh, all right. With my second pick, I am going to, because 
Buddy the Elf is going to need protection, so uh, I'm going to take uh, John McClane uh, for my second pick, and he will make sure uh, that everyone everyone on the team survives. The rest of the people, though, you better be better be nice. We, how did we, we just do this dub? How did we, we get here? Like, royale? are the writers on strike? Like, what is this? <laughs> I've got Buddy the Elf and John McClane. Bring it on. Can we turn this into a battle royale so we got John McClane versus Baby? Jesus. <laughs> it's time to meet your maker, baby Jesus. Yippee guy. I'm going to take a kind of a behind the scene guy that has a lot of power and you know, his powers are kind of unlimited, unlimited, unlimited. Unlimited. Uh, in the movie spirited ghost of Christmas present portrayed by Will Ferrell. You could do a lot of things behind the scenes, teleport to different rooms, make a lot of things happen. So I think he can get some presents delivered pretty quickly. Okay, that's a good pick. Mike, you got back to back. Okay. For my next pick, I need someone with some magical ability. Um, I need someone who embodies a different version of Christmas um, that can serve as a protector can serve as an enforcer, but also is on the back end of things and has a familiarity of kind of the vibe of Christmas, although in a different light. With my second pick, I'm going to take Krampus. <laughs> well, he's got he's definitely got some powers. Is it Krampus to destroy Christmas? I don't really know the whole mythology behind <laughs> that, Christmas. That's the twist, man. That's the twist. Is he to destroy Christmas? <laughs> <Yes. or? laughs> like Wow. This is like Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> I was here to destroy, but now I'm here to save. Bernard Bernard will, cha- will get him straight. Do not be afraid. Okay, Mike, who do you got for your next pick? For my next pick, <clears throat> I need some style. I need style. <laughs> I need someone who's just going to bring the star power to my Christmas team. So who I'm going to go with to bring this you know, essentially the face of the group. Like if it was, if it was like an A-team type vibe, I need my face guy. All right. So I'm going to go with undoubtedly unashamed. I'm going to go with Kevin Bacon from the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't even know where to go anymore. I, I did not anticipate I just that. ruined my whole draft. Son of a gun. Uh. That was my clear third round pick there. John, you're up. Uh, for my next pick here, I'm going to cover the ground game now with the magical train. I'm going to take the conductor from the Polar Express. Nice, nice. Oh, my goodness. Jay. I've had to write so many people down onto my <laughs> list. I did not <laughs> expect it to go so beautifully. This got out of hand. <laughs> this got out of hand quickly. Okay, so not only do I have Buddy the Elf and John McClane, so now I am taking... Can we get that team up, movie? (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, So now I've got to take a great character. All this man wants is for his family to have a good Christmas, and I'm going to take it before Ryan can. Clark Griswold from Christmas Vacation. He's got the heart for Christmas. He will help make it happen. Okay, Clark Griswold. All right. Well, I'm going to take I'm going to take a man 
who has been in this predicament because Santa wasn't up to doing the presents at night because his back went out. So who better than the guy who's already done it? I will take Fred Claus for my next pick. And for my final pick, boy, so many good options here. For my final pick, I need somebody that can deliver a Christmas miracle. And similar to Jay's pick from the same movie, this man with a big heart in a big package delivered a Christmas miracle. Cousin Eddie. I knew from you were Christmas take Cousin vacation. Eddie. <laughs> I got the better one. He delivered the Christmas miracle when Clark was all out of Christmas spirit. Cousin Eddie ruins Christmas, but okay. Uh, I don't see uh, Cousin Randy Quaid and Baby Jesus mixing well. (laughs) (laughs) I can just see Rudolph pulling that sleigh looking back going, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Recap your list, Ryan. Okay. Uh, My list. Lead. By the greatest man ever to walk the earth. He didn't walk yet. (laughs) Carl. (laughs) Who could walk because he could just blink his eyes and have a miracle. Baby Jesus. Not documented on how early he walked. I'm guessing he was an early walker. (laughs) Throw that out there. His bravery developed early as a child. Uh, My second pick. I need somebody that, that knows the route to go. On Christmas, uh, they can take you from house to house. I'm taking Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. And then I'm going to take the man who has done this before, got the experience, has come through when Santa's been down. I'm taking the brother, Fred Claus. And to finish my list off, just in case we need a little miracle magic, I'm taking the man who delivered a Christmas miracle, Cousin Eddie. Slow clap, everyone. Slow clap. No, Oh, no. Slow clap. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Christmas is not saved. <laughs> oh, it is saved. <laughs> so with the three characters I picked, Christmas is already saved. So now they just need a little sidekick buddy to be with them. And so I am taking uh, the cutest little Christmas character ever, Gizmo. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know so, what? Get a what? <laughs> And I just, I hope no mistakes happen. <laughs> I had Gizmo on my list because I'm like, if we run out of time, get him wet because we need more reinforcements. We need more reinforcements. <laughs> Little gremlins delivering presents. Don't let him eat cookies. Don't need any cookies, though. Little gremlins delivering presents everywhere. That'd be hilarious. So I've got, I've got uh, Buddy the Elf, John McClane, Clark Griswold, and Gizmo. <laughs> Christmas is saved, America. You're I welcome. would pay money to see John McClane mm. losing his temper oh. and Clark Griswold going at it. Thank you. <laughs> would be hilarious. All right, John. So when I thought of this draft idea, I did not see it going this way at all. <laughs> Uh, I'm so sorry to our listeners, but we are trying to save Christmas here the best way we can. And That's, know right. How. That's right. Um. So I have, you know, I have the Polar, I have the Conductor with the Polar Express, so my ground game's covered. I got the, co- the Ghost of Christmas present, so he can s- 
go around into rooms to put in the presents, get it going. Bernard's going to be in the headquarters, uh, making sure all the toys are moving, packages are being sealed. And then I'm going to take a guy who has saved Christmas before, and I'm surprised he didn't get picked by Ryan, but I'm going to take Ernest from Ernest, Ernest Saves Christmas. Christmas. Use my nice. backup if Fred Claus was taken. Good pick. Ernest P. Whirl. It was on my list. So, so to recap my list, I think I just did, but to recap my list, I saved Christmas. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike. <laughs> All right. A part of any good plan. <clears throat> I feel like you had a great plan coming into this. I very, did. <laughs> very well thought out. Yep. I you we, If there's one thing that Scooby-Doo taught us is that there's always a distraction. Mm-hmm. And I need someone that is going to serve as the distraction while the rest of my team does You're what they me need Krampus to do. Krampus is not your distraction. <laughs> Death and destruction. I'm pretty sure Krampus is distracting a lot. So, leading Please up to my on. final pick. Hello, I have, children. I have the brains of the operation, a toy executive, Scott Calvin, to make sure that we dish out good toys. For my muscle... I have Krampus. You don't need <laughs> For my style factor oh to make God. sure we look good while we're doing it, I have if Kevin Bacon. Mark Watney, I'm going to punch you through this computer. <laughs> but he has a rocket ship. <laughs> I have Kevin Bacon for my style points. And last but certainly not Jeez, least, no. I need my distraction, which is... The mall Santa at the top of the slide from a Christmas story. <laughs> oh, Hi- oh. Hiding in plain sight. That's the trick. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the So you're saving Christmas in the nineteen forties? <laughs> so to recap, we're all screwed for Christmas this year, guys. <laughs> With your team. All right. Anybody got? Uh, I know we're going to do honorable mentions. Can I just? I want to do mine real quick because I had a fun idea. If the draft went the wrong way, so <laughs> if if I, I think the jury's with, still out on that one, Ryan. That was well, your ideal draft, right? There? <laughs> Ryan, the, he got. Ryan's like, I got wrong. everyone I wanted. Exactly, did. The only one I didn't get that I wanted was uh, Buddy the Elf. Otherwise, I would have my four top picks. Uh, have you ever thought there's a reason why there's no documentation from baby Jesus up to when he's like a teenager? People something? said, nobody's going to believe this. He's a baby. Nobody's going to believe what he's doing right now. <clears throat> okay. So if I couldn't go the baby Jesus route and go good people, I was going to go full villain. And I was going to go uh, the Grinch. I was going to go Spike from Gremlins. And I was going to go uh, Krampus. <laughs> and my last pick was going to be Detective Murtaugh so he could keep saying, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. Jake, any honorables? Uh, I had written down. I didn't know what he would do. And I got John McClane, so that's the best muscle. But if I did not get John McClane, I was going to go with, I thought, the second best um for Christmas, and that would be Kevin McAllister. You don't mess with that kid. Um, but you're delivering would, presents to kids, not setting booby traps. Well, that's what. If he, if we need to set booby traps, 
that's why I have John McClane. Don't don't play. I, I had Kevin McAllister. He was the second. I feel like best your muscle. idea of saving Christmas is preparing for like events that haven't even happened yet. You like, gotta be prepared. The whole reason we're trying to save Christmas. You gotta Santa be prepared. Out and you're like, well, what if? I feel like your team would be really good if <laughs> all if four of us were vying to Pole? save Christmas. If all four of us were like in a competition to save Christmas, your team would be pretty good, Jay. Thank you. Um, and then my other shout outs, you know, I had Jack Skellington written down. Um, he, he, he can, he can help save Christmas. He's done it before by ruining it and then saving it. And then a sleeper pick, which I was a little disappointed. We didn't get a shout him out yet. Uh, Yukon Cornelius from yeah. Rudolph. Uh, he literally fought the abominable snowman for crying out loud. He, he, he could do some damage. You do realize this was not a battle royale draft, right? <laughs> I'm aware of what this draft is, and my team saves Christmas. My team can wipe your team Christmas? out in a blink of an eye. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have seen a different version of the nativity story than any of us has ever seen before. <laughs> I think Ryan watched the Incredibles. Out there. <laughs> he thinks that little baby. Jack, Jack, Jack. Jack. That's, That's what he's imagining. That's he what has. baby Jesus would have been. I'm telling you guys. I can tell him by the laser eyes. It's always the laser eyes. We I'm just telling saw the, you. We just saw That's the first man of baby Jesus. We don't know what happens after that. John, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, I guess a couple I got is, uh, would be uh, Jack Frost from Rise of the Guardians. Uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton from Bad Santa. And then take your pick at any of the reindeers, Blitzen. Michael, do you have any more? Um, you don't need honorable mentions when your team has already saved Christmas. So. Okay. The only other person on my list that wasn't mentioned was Frosty the Snowman. But that'd be tough if you went to a southern place like Hawaii or something. You'd probably melt. In summer! <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's all we got tonight. Until next time, peace. We out of here. Thanks for joining us today on the Manchild Chronicles. You can find us on your favorite social media platforms at the Manchild Chronicles. Don't forget to join us every Friday for a new episode. That's all for now. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>